what's goody? <laughs> We're gonna take it back to the to the old school. What's goody? Good, 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 y'all. That's what uh, a Ward I used to introduce the show back into back in the day. Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter no matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this and you tune into the Only Sports Podcast with Brains and Bars. It's a black and white thing featuring A1 and A Ward. Um, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice. Searching for It's a Black and White Thing or Brains and Bars. And like, subscribe, share, comment, all that good stuff. Leave a review. Give us five stars. Um, you can check us out on YouTube by going to the Black and White YouTube channel, searching Brains and Bars. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Um, you can also follow us on social media by going to the It's a Black by go, searching out the It's a Black and White Thing fan page by going to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Brains and Bars. Like, share, subscribe there as well. Um, I'm most active on Twitter, so if you are a Twitter guy, I'm never calling it X. It's always going to be Twitter for me. Um, you can check me out there as well. Um, check out in my guy's absence, you can check out A-Ward. I believe it's I am underscore A-Ward. Um, you can check him out on Twitter. Um, and I believe that might be the same for his Instagram. Please forgive me. I, I apologize for not knowing my friend's socials. I'm a, I am. Hey, forgive me. I can't know everything, right? Anyway, um, we got a, uh, interesting show. I'm on my solo dolo tip tonight because, you know, A-Ward is out doing things. She's got a battle coming up this weekend. Shout out to Jay, that guy. He's taking on Gwitty. Nasty. The album will be in the building. This is happening in Kansas City. If you know Ward, you know he battles mostly out of town. Um, he's mostly taking away games, so he got an opportunity to have a home game. He jumped at the opportunity. Shout out to Jay, that guy, for putting this together. Um, T-Top's going to be in the building. Marasha's going to be in the building. Um, battling as well. Jay, that guy, will be battling on that card as well. So pull up. Pull up, pull up if you're in the Kansas City or surrounding metro areas, or even if you know Omaha, St. Louis, man. St. Louis always shows love for, for KC Battle Rap. So, yeah, like I said, if you anywhere close by, if you can be there, beat us there. Don't meet us there. I hope I said that right. I don't know if I did or not. But anyway, got an interesting show lined up for you tonight. We're going to talk a little, we're going to talk NFL, we're going to talk college football, um, but we're going to begin. Um, well, I mean, Shout out to the homie Los. Um, he says, any Cowboys disrespect and I'm reporting this stream as hateful speech. Here's one thing you got to know about me. Um, the only people I got slander for, for real, in real life is Russell West. I'm, oh, I'm going to say Russell Westbrook, not the Brody. Russell Wilson, excuse me. Shout out to Mama Ward in the building. Appreciate you as always. Hope you're doing well. Um, I only have slander for Russell Wilson. That's the only athlete that I slander and I'm gonna tell you something I, I, I haven't I didn't talk about this when it happened in real time but you know I am the original Russell Wilson hater I'm the OG I built this me brick by brick you know what I'm saying I started this b- 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 barbecue hate business of Russell Wilson I started this me and it it has been um not as fun to slander russell wilson these days because it has become high fashion it's become the end thing to do to make fun of russell wilson this is like seeing your favorite artist 
go hit the mainstream, right? So as, as a Drake fan, like I'm a day one Drake fan. I was the one running around telling people, y'all need to go get on Drake. And when he finally blew up, when he crossed over, when Best Thing I Ever Had goes crazy on radio, goes crazy on Billboard, all this good stuff, right? I'm upset because now this artist that I've championed that what I felt like was mine, now I have to share him with the entire world. And Best I Ever Had was like, okay, good radio single, but not even close to top five best songs on that mixtape, right? Lowe says it's kind of ironic that you don't like Russell Wilson. Yes, because I probably would be Russell Wilson with a little bit more swagger, though. Right. I, 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 I'd be a little bit more authentic if I was Russell. Uh, let's just keep it a buck. I'd be a little bit more authentic. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, to see it become high fashion. To slander Russell Westbrook, uh, I'm going to say Westbrook again, to slander Russell Wilson. It's a little sad to me because it's, it's it's taking all the fun out of it. And the way that he was treated this year by Sean Payton, turning him into a martyr of sorts, really has taken the fun out of slandering Russell Wilson. So, you know, we're going to get to the Cowboys. I said all that to say I am a truth teller. Like, I don't I don't go out of my way to slander people or, or teams or groups unless it's warranted, right? But we got a lot of things we're going to get into tonight. But first, I want to start by jumping to uh, the world of music and hip-hop because this was something that I found to be interesting to me. Um, you had Most Deaf on a podcast, um, that at least I don't know if this was in the last week or so, but on this podcast, he was asked a question about Drake. And so I wanted to um, address a little bit of that because, as I said, you know, I am, I consider myself one of the original, like, Drake fans. Like, I was out here when uh, Room for Improvement dropped, right? So if you listen to the show, I think I talked about this when his last latest project dropped. Um, You know, that, you know, I thought it was a good album. I think, I didn't think it was a great album. I thought it was a good album. So I, I just want to, uh, I want to play this clip. Now, this is from the Cutting Room Floor podcast. Um, Young ladies introdu- intru- interviewing. Uh, most deaf and she asked him the question of does he consider drake to be hip-hop right so let's i'm gonna play this clip i'm gonna actually add it we're gonna watch it together all right so here we go let me get there excuse me excuse me like is drake hip-hop why are you doing this to me drake is pop to me in the sense, like if I was in Target in Houston and I heard a Drake song, it feels like a lot of his music is compatible with shopping. Commercial music. Oh, as or as you know, music. shopping with an edge in certain <laughs> instances. Sure. I like edge. Drake's music, but I understand exactly what you're saying. Of course. I mean, it's, I, I, it's I commercial, it. entertaining, fun, it's, good, it's, formulaic music. It's likable. Likable music. Yeah. It's likable. So I want to stop here for just a second. Right. So I know a lot of people have said most deaf is hating. You know, he's like, you know, he, he's just mad because he never blew up like that. And I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry. Um, you know, the guy who gave us black on both sides. We're not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this, right? Like we're not, we're not going to slander most deaf in that way. 
I or or Yasin Bey. I'm gonna call, look. Is Mama calling most deaf? I'm gonna call him most deaf. Um, but <laughs> this comment says most deaf said something true and it came off disrespectful. Drake fans definitely shop at Target. I do shop at Target. Is is my wife one of her favorite places? You know, I I use the the little pickup John all the time. I pull up, let them know I'm here. They bring the stuff. I tell you, I turn around, I go back to the crib. Um, but it was a true statement. Like Drake has gotten to the point where when he releases an album, it's probably going to be about 20 to 25, maybe 27 tracks. And you're going, he is giving you something for everybody, right? He's giving you something for everybody. I'm going to remove this for just a second. He's giving you rapidy raps, right? You're going to get an 8 a.m. in Charlotte. He's going to give you um, Big Man Ting's Drake. You're going to get some UK grime sound in there. You're going to get some uh, Caribbean rhythms, some jams in there. You're going to get some R&B records in there, right? And it's going to be centered around how much of a boss he is, how much money he makes, how he can't find love, how he can't trust anybody. Like, it's going to be around all of these topics. This is who he's been now for some time. And I know there was a lot of discussion about whether or not his music should, why he hasn't evolved, quote unquote. But that's not the point I'm here to talk about tonight. The point I'm here to make here is, yes, most F is right. This is music that is catering to different groups. And so if you rock with Drake, if you like Drake, then yes, some people are going to tune in for the rhythms. Some people are going to go straight for the big montings. Other people are going to go for the rapid rap. People are going to go for the R&B. You're going to have all these different people who come to Drake for different things, no different than going to your local Target or store, right? When you go to the store, you go to the section that that you want to go to. Doesn't mean you won't visit other sections and purchase and, and patronize there, but you go to what you need and what you want. So again, from at this point, I'm not mad at, at anything that most deaf has had to say. So I'm gonna bring them back on the bring them back to the stage. Let him continue. Continue, Mo. Um, but is it? You know, I'm gonna leave you alone. We're gonna move. We're gonna move on. Um. <laughs> so many, so many products. So many so, skews. So many skews. <laughs> Look at all these skews. All these skews. Oh, so many products. So much merchandising. So oh, many barcoding. Everything's here. Again, <laughs> everything here. Oh. They have everything here. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not mad at this. this is great. Now, this is the you hate. Use... This, is, this is the hate right Drake, here. This you is the hear hate. it? It's great. Okay. What happens when this thing collapses? What happens when the columns start buckling? Are we not in some early stage of that? at this present hour? Are we seeing like the collapse of the empire? Buying and selling, where's the message that I can use? Right. You know, what's in it for your audience apart from like banging the pom-poms? Like is Drake hip hop? All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough, enough most, enough most. So yes, Los, Drake is an easy target to hate on. But beyond that, though, I think to me, the most important part of his message there is the end, right? When he's saying, um, what happens when this thing falls apart? Now, I feel like maybe he's making a two, this is almost a double, right? Because I feel like on one end, 
he's talking about Drake. What happens when this empire crumbles? And I think that with this particular album, I think you started to see some cracks in the foundation are something that can be unnoticed at first, but if left unaddressed, then you start to see the changes in how, say, your door shuts, right? You start to see these cracks as they widen. You see, like, on the outside of your house, how things are coming apart, right? But it doesn't start out that way. It starts out as something small, and it grows. And so I do think on a certain level with Drake, from an album standpoint, solo albums, because I do think Her Loss was a dope album, really really good album with 21 Savage, I think you're starting to see a little bit of the cracking in the foundation of people looking at Drake as when he drops, it's an event. It is something that we talk about for weeks on end. We're listening for this. Now, I will say this. The five tracks he released for the deluxe album, them are, them are bangers. You had people saying, where was this? <laughs> where was this when you dropped the first time, right? So, I mean, obviously, Drake still has it in him to produce really good, high-quality music. I think for me, as an early Drake fan, I think I want to, as I said before, I do want to see that growth. I do want to see more introspection because that is what honestly got people to really buy into his music, right? Was the level of introspection he had about his career, how it affected him and his family, how it affected him and the people that he became cool with within the industry. And so if we could get something, in my opinion, that is... Um, not as lengthy. We don't need 29 tracks. We don't need 25. Give us 12 to 15 of your best music and we go from there, right? So I think there is still hope for Drake. I don't, yes, there are cracks in the foundation, but I think that he is still going to have a hold on this industry for at least another, I'd say three to five years. And it all depends on whenever he drops next. And he said he's going to take some time off. He's going on tour now with J. Cole. Um, I might go see him when he comes to Kansas City. Ticket prices got to drop just a little bit for your boy, though. But um, it'll be interesting to see the next time he drops the project. One, what the content, what the subject matter is, how many tracks is he dropping, and is he simply going to give us more of who he is? Because here's the thing: most Def makes his point about Drake being pop, and yes, this is true. He's pop. He is a part of pop. If you don't know, people is short for popular culture. He's popular. Again, when he drops, he's hitting number one on Billboard every time, right? Multiple songs in the top 100 every time. So, yes, he's popped. Now, I want to, real quick, I want to hit the, the latter part of what most have said about what's in it for the consumer. And I think that to me is the really, that's the part of his message that we need to focus on because I do think we have gotten to this space in music. And shout out to Clock Radio Speakers or Armand and Doc. They have a, um, I posted this on my stories on IG and Facebook about people are just making music because it is something to do, right? It's time to release an album. Here's an album. Here's something for TikTok. Here's something for social media. Here's something for IG. We're going to go do a tour. But people are not making music that has something in it for the fans to connect to beyond surface level stuff, right? And so when most of talks about is this thing crumbling, I think he's talking about not only Drake, but I think he's taking a subtle dig at pop music and what we consider to be the top hip hop names, right? Are you going to make something of substance that people can 
that has more than just this is just my favorite artist dropping something. I'm going to ride with it, whether you like it or not. Now, I do think as long as people wander the earth, we have people on this earth, pop music will never die because there's always going to be someone who's going to be around for a, a sexy word. There's always going to be someone who's around for a dirt, who's around for an NBA young boy. Like as long as we live, young people are going to keep popular music afloat. Right. That high art, that bourgeois, bougie backpack. We want our music to mean something and have this deep level of meaning to it. That is going to be for the adults. Not to say that young people can't be into music with the message that has substance. Because, look, I'm 41. And I'll turn on uh, some Nicki. I'll put on uh, some Ray Shrimmer. I still bought Ray Shrimmer's first two albums. Still in rotation. And shout out to the homie Lowe's. People don't want substance. They don't. They, they do. I'm not going to say they don't. I'm not going to say they don't. But they gravitate towards music that maybe makes them move more so than think. And this, this has always been my critique of Kendrick Lamar. I feel like Kendrick Lamar makes music that sonically sounds amazing. The content is dope. The, the message is dope. But he does not make music that necessarily, if you want to have a party, if you want to move and you don't want to think. Like even a, the, song, the success of a song like Swimming Pools. I feel like people miss the entirety of the, the purpose of the song Swimming Pools. Right? Swimming Pools has a deep message to it, but it had a nice beat. It was a radio hit. People like to move to it. And when it came on, pull up, drink, right? Like people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, let me get a shot. But that's exactly the, the thing that he's talking about, right? Being a problem of mass consumption of alcohol, right? So I'm, I'm, again, I don't think pop culture will ever collapse because people will always gravitate towards mindless music. No matter your age group, people will always gravitate towards it. But I, again, I don't think most deaf, there was some hate. But I think there were some poignant points in there that people that people can take from that beyond his his critique of Drake. All right. So let me know what y'all think, man. What y'all think about Drake? Do you like him? Hate him? What do you think about most Def's comments? Hit us up at Brains and Bars on Twitter. Let's get into this, this sports, man, because I've delved enough into the world of pop culture. All right. So. I'm going to I want to because we didn't do a show last week, I want to kind of go back. We're going to go back. Way back, back in the time. We're going to go back and then come forward to this weekend's wild, Super Wildcard Weekend. All right, so college football playoff. Shout out to Michigan. Shout out to Jim Harbaugh. Shout out to homie Jesse, Steve Patton, my homie Chad Jones. Um, any other Michigan people who I may, may be associated with on, on your team winning the college football playoff. They defeated Washington. I got that wrong. I had Washington winning the game. They had opportunities, but it never felt like Michigan was ever in truly any serious trouble or doubt of when it losing that game right but i want to fast forward now to jim harbaugh right because jim harbaugh he had an interview with the los angeles chargers i think yesterday um i'm pretty sure he's going to talk to some more t- nfl teams and there was a report that came out today that said that jim harbaugh wants to have added into his contract a clause that states that he cannot be terminated for any infractions or whatever the NCAA may find in their investigations of him. Now, if you happen to be under a rock, there was a cheating scandal that popped up with Michigan that said that Connor Stallions, a member of Michigan staff, was had an elaborate cheating program where they flew across the country to future opponents 
to scout them in person. Now, this is against NCAA rules. You're not allowed to in-person scout. And that he sat, got great seats, captured footage, brought it back, shared that footage with coaches, and they implemented it into their game, into their game plans, right? So Michigan fans have, uh, you know, been up in arms, said he's innocent, wait for all the facts to come out, da 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 A couple of things about that. Number one. One, because the NCAA takes years to investigate, I do hope that they come back and say that they could not find anything to hit them with any sanctions with. Because one, if you're punishing Michigan five years later, does nothing to hurt the, the team that cheated five years ago. All you're doing is coming and penalizing kids who likely had nothing to do with it. Number one. So. Don't NCAA investigate all you want. Don't hit them with sanctions because all you're going to do is make Michigan fans mad, Florida State fans mad, Ohio State fans mad, Washington, Alabama. You're going to make everybody mad. Nobody's going to be happy with your findings or with your judgment. That's number one. Number two, Harbaugh asking for uh, a clause that he can't be terminated by the AD for any sanctions that they find. Instead, it has to go to a three-person committee to, um, to release him. I find to be hilarious. If you are a Michigan fan and you rock with them, you probably look at Harbaugh as Batman, a vigilante who skirts the lines between good and evil with the means awfully justifying the ends or the ends justifying the means. Excuse me. If you hate Michigan, he's the Joker, a guy who simply wants to see the world burn. And if I were Michigan, if I was Ward Manuel, the AD, and I was working on the contract and he asked for that incentive, I would absolutely give it to him. Why? Because Jim Harbaugh has proven that he's a winner, that he is good for your program, that he can get young men and he can mold them into, I don't want to say overachievers because they have a lot of high star caliber kids on their team. But Michigan does not finish in the top five in recruiting, guys. They're normally a top 10 to 15 team in recruiting, meaning they're not getting what analysts think are the cream of the crop. So he's finding high four-star, low four-star, high three, low three-star kids, and he is developing them into a hard-nosed, I'm going to run through you, by you, over you team. Shout out to uh, Sharon Moore. Maybe Sharon Moore can carry that on. But we saw what happened when he left Stanford, right? Uh, I can't. David Shaw took over at Stanford. And for a while, he was able to keep that thing going. But over time, it started to crumble and then it fell apart. You want, if you are Michigan men and women, you want to keep Jim Harbaugh at all costs. The talk is that his contract would make him the highest paid coach in college football. I think around $11, $12 million a year, something like that. You make that deal 10 times out of 10 because you want that guy on your sidelines. Yes, he's weird. Yes, he seems to be a habitual line stepper, right? But you want that habitual line stepper on your sideline and not somebody else's. Two, if you're Jim Harbaugh, Winning a championship, given all the things that have circulated around you, that's got to give you one of the longest leashes in the world. The fact that it is even being reported that he wants basically immunity or a type of immunity from any upcoming future sanctions 
shows you just how much of a kingmaker you are within Ann Arbor right now. There is no reason for you to ever leave. You have ascended to your throne, your rightful place, Jim Harbaugh, and there's no one, not an AD, not a three-person panel, short of you doing something so egregious that it that it's so immoral that it gets you fired. Skirt all the all the lines with uh, of 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 what's good and wrong um, with the NCA all you want. Cheat all you want. What are they going to do? Fine you? Punish you? Kick you out of the sport? No, they can't. They don't have power. And you don't have to talk to them. So cheat. Cheat away. Do what you got to do, my guy. You're not, they're not going to get rid of you. If I were an NFL team, I don't know if I would want Jim Harbaugh because I feel like Jim Harbaugh wears his welcome out over time. I think that um, I don't think his brand of football is built for the NFL these days, unless he's going to adapt. Jim Harbaugh is can be a very conservative coach, and in this world of in this level of uh, of the NFL, you have to be a little bit more aggressive in today's NFL. And I don't think that his his conservative style is going to work at this level. Um, so that's my thoughts on Jim Harbaugh, man. Y'all let me know what y'all think about that. Hit me up at Brains and Bars on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let's get into uh, Nick Saban real quick. Um, Nick Saban retired abruptly. Um, and this is going to, this is foundational. I feel like I'm talking about foundations a lot tonight. This is a foundational change within college football. Um, he is the greatest coach in college football history um this is to me you, you can talk about Barry Bryant I'm talking about Joe Paterno I'm gonna go HBCU on you you can talk about Eddie Robinson I think Nick Saban has eclipsed them all and to have him retire um is going to change I mean it's it's like I said it's, it's foundational to to Bama you've already if you follow college football you've seen several High-profile commits decommit from Bama. Doesn't mean they won't ultimately come back, but they have decommitted from Bama in this 2024 class and 2025 class, some of them. And so what this means going forward is going to be huge. They made a quick move. They got Kalen DeBoer from Washington, which if you know anything about Kalen DeBoer's background, he has been a winner everywhere he's gone. Division two turned around Washington, who I think was four and eight about two years ago, two, three years ago made it to the national college or the college football national championship game. I really hope you know what you're getting yourself into though, my guy. Like I, that is a job where you want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces the guy who replaces Saban. Right. Like I, I just, that fan base, let's just say next year, Kalen DeBoer in his first year at Bama, they go 12 and two. They're the 12th seed in the 12-team playoff, right? Which means they would have to go on the road. They don't win the SEC. Georgia wins the SEC, and they have to go on the road. Shout out. What's up, Pops? That fan base is going to be livid because normal Bama expectations are, are, are sky high. Nick Saban took them from sky high to out of this world, right? I think they said he had 
more kids drafted in the first round of the NFL draft than losses. Um, every year from, I forget, I think it's like 2000, I got to look it up, 2008, 2009, he finishes with at least 10 wins, six national championships. He won one at LSU. And here's the thing I find to be interesting about Saban is that at LSU, he was a good coach. Now, he won a, he won a, a, a national championship at LSU. But if you look at his coaching record at LSU, he only won 10 games or more once. That was a national championship year. He went eight and five one year. The other years he went nine and three. So it's not Saban going back to Bama was not this slam dunk of a hire. It was a great hire, but no one thought it would be this. Because again, at LSU, it wasn't this, right? It was good, but it wasn't this. And so he elevated expectations at Bama to out of this world. And to be to have to carry that torch, to have to be that great year in and year out. And for him to not burn out more quickly than he should have. Because though when the expectation is national championship, SEC title, no losses. And you have to carry that burden every year on top of recruit the best kids in the country, develop the best kids in the country, compete in the most challenging conference in the country. There's That puts people in early graves and it drives them into early retirement. And so I want you all to take a really good picture of Kalen DeBoer in 2024 and let's just say he makes it seven years at Bama. See what it looks like seven years from now. That job is the most high stressful job in, I would say, sports in America. I don't think there's a more stressful job than that. Because if you look at college basketball, KU, Duke, Carolina, high expectations. But nobody's going to want to fire you if you don't win a championship in the next five years. You go three years without a title at Bama, they will be calling for Kalen DeBoer's head. Shout out to Sydney. Sydney says LSU was his turnaround. If he would have stayed at LSU, LSU would have been Bama. Maybe. Hold on. I'm going to see if I can find this. I'm going to see if I can find this coaching record because I think the year after they won the national championship, he went nine and three again. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm looking at this. So he had two 10-plus win seasons at LSU. He went 8-4 and his first season, 10-3 and the next, 8-5, and then to 13-1, and and then back to 9-3. and And so that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe he does turn LSU into Bama, but it wasn't. So let me show you what what happens at Bama, right? He shows up midway in 2007 because, remember, he quits on Miami on the Dolphins and returns to Bama. He goes 2-6. and but then he goes 12 and 2, 14 and 0, 10 and 3 down season. But then after that, 12 and 1, 13 and 1, 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 14 and 1, 14 and 1, 13 and 1. Like there's all there's he he only loses at worst two games a year from 2011 until the time he retires. So once he got that thing rolling, he has a one down year after they win the title in 09 where they go 10 and 3. But then after that, it is title game, title game. He loses back-to-back Sugar Bowls, 
but then he doesn't lose another bowl game until this 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 year in uh in in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. So from 2015 to 2022, eight years he doesn't lose a bowl game. Like, what are we talking about? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I got that wrong. I got that wrong. He loses in the national championship game in 2016 and in 2021. So I, my apologies, my apologies. I got that backwards. I got that wrong. So I don't, I can't say for sure that he's going to turn this thing around. It's going to be like, I mean, you're right. He less did win with his recruits. But I mean, like what the turnaround that he had is amazing. And again, you could not pay me enough money. Even if you say, A1, I got 20 million a year. Go coach Bama. Not all money is good money, my friend. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I'll be happy coaching at K-State or at – I'll take Auburn. I'll take A&M, schools that I think have um, unrealistic expectations as well, but not as high as Bama's. I'll take Texas, a school that should be better with the, with a booster base that is not as rabid as Bama's, but as demanding. Give me Notre Dame. Give me Florida State. Like, give me any school but that one, basically, is what I'm saying. Because the expectations are going to kill you. Straight up. This is how it's gonna be. Um, but let, let me let me know what y'all think about that, man. Let me if you were Kaylin DeBoer, would you go to Bama? How do you characterize and summarize Nick Saban's career? I'll say this last thing. I'll say this last thing. Even Saban going from Michigan State to LSU was not seen as a slam dunk of an hire. Now, granted. Before he showed up at LSU, he went Michigan State. It was his first nine-win season. He goes nine and two. But other than that, before that year, he had only won max seven games. So again, the genius was always there. The, the legendary coach was always there. He just had to get to the level where you could see it in action. Because Michigan State was never going to be LSU nor Ben. So again, let us know what y'all think about, about Nick Saban and how what how you characterize his career. Um, so on and so forth. All right, so let's jump into the NFL real quick. I got about maybe 20 more, 25 more minutes. Um, let's jump into wild card weekend. Let's try, I'll try to go by the try to go game by game on this. Um so actually, you know, let's 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 jump to big headline, big headlines here, and we'll we'll fast forward into uh th- this weekend's games. I'm I gotta start with Dallas. I got it. We got it. We got to start with Dallas, right? So here's the thing. I think a couple of weeks ago I did a show and I said, hey, Cowboy fans, you got to you got to make this team earn your loyalty, earn your respect. Um, Their team, you know, the Cowboys to me are an enigma. They're a team that one week looks like world beaters. The next week you're wondering if they'll make the if they're even a a divisional playoff caliber team, let alone a Super Bowl team. I hate I didn't do a show last week. Life caught up to us. We couldn't do a show because I promise you, I wouldn't have said that the Packers were going to win the game. I would not have guaranteed. I would not have said, hey, the Packers will win. I thought the game would be competitive because I thought that the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love had played really good football the second half of the season. I was a guy who was high on Jordan Love in part because I watched him play when he came in relief for Aaron Rodgers last year against the Eagles. Now, mind you, I think they ended up being a double-digit win for the Eagles. 
that was in part because the Green Bay Packer defense cannot get stops. Because Jordan Love put up like two to two or three touchdown scoring drives back to back to back. It's just that the Eagles just kept scoring, and so he could they could never cut into the deficit to truly make it a game, right? Oh, yeah. So when fantasy football season came around this year, I was in eight leagues. Yes, judge me. I'm in too many. I'm cutting back for, for 2024. I tried to draft Jordan Lovett in as many leagues as possible because I felt like I didn't think he was going to be a top five uh, in, in yards guy, but I thought he was going to have a really good year. So he, he exceeded even my expectations. I thought the game would be competitive. I thought the Cowboys would win um, and they would move on to the second round, to the division round. I was a little busy moving around my house doing stuff. I saw it was 14 nothing, and I went, okay, that's not good, but it's not over with yet. Then we got to halftime, it's 27-7. I'm like, okay, it's not over with yet. They're, I mean, look, the Cowboys are letting go of the rope. So, but, you know, they're, 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 they're like this. If they're hanging off the edge of the cliff, like the fingers are coming off, right? But then, I, what happened? Like, I'm surprised. It is... It is Tuesday night, 741. How has Mike McCarthy not been fired yet? Because this is, I said it uh, uh, the last time we were on. The base, based on the way Mike McCarthy handled the end of the game situation against the Lions, even if they won the Super Bowl, I would fire him based on how bad they mismanaged this game. How is your game plan defensively that bad? How is it that you don't have any answers for how they're covering CeeDee Lamb, for how to get easy scoring drives, to make Dak's life easier when you see this thing getting away from you? There were people running butt naked wide open. Like, I mean, people running wide open in ways that I feel like you only see in high school. Like, maybe once or twice a year, in, in, in the NFL, do you see people running that wide open? I saw that one. There's a route where Romeo Dobbs is going to his left, and then he takes a hard right. And uh, I can't think of the young man. Stephon Gilmore is still running left. And I'm like, bro, do you not see that way? He went that way. What are you doing? The, the, I think it was Luke Musgrave touchdown. I get it. It was a miscommunication. What what happened? Why is he 25 yards the other direction when he is so wide open? When you can basically Jordan Love threw up an arm punt. He threw the ball up in the air. It had three seconds of hang time. He stopped, waited for it, caught it, gathered himself, then started running that wide open. Shout out to my pops. This game was over from the start, and that, that hurts for me to say. This, listen, you can make a case in any given year at the end of a season for at least half or more of the coaches in the NFL to be fired. You can make a case for it. They're talking about Mike Tomlin. We'll get to him in just a second. He, Belichick, uh, Vrabel, um, Arthur Smith, who deserved to be fired last year. Uh, the guy from uh, the Staley from the truck. Like you can make a case for at least half the coaches. Some that got fired, the coach in Chicago, you can make a case for firing him, right? You, you, you just can. This is as big of a fireball offense as, as any of them. And if 
Jerry Jones struts down in front of a microphone and says, well, you know, as disappointed as I was, I think that that Mike should be our coach. And I think we're going to we're going to we're going to fix this thing. We're going to get this thing on the right track. Huh? If he comes down there and gives that statement at any point between now and the end of the playoffs, if you're a Cowboys fan, you should boycott. You should you should. Put your fandom on pause. I'm not saying you should cancel the subscription nowadays when you try to cancel something. They go, oh, well, you know what? You don't, don't walk away so hastily. You can just pause your subscription. I'm not saying you should cancel your fandom, but it should be on pause. Because if September rolls around and Mike McCarthy is patrolling them sidelines, y'all don't need to be there. Because obviously Jerry is not as invested in winning as he says he is. I mean, yeah, I agree. So Sydney says I, the Cowboys weren't going to be in the Super Bowl. I didn't think it was going to be this. I shot, shot 48 points, almost a 50-burger on you. And I want to say this to you Cowboy fans. I know you guys are a confident bunch. I know you guys are always, uh, you know, hope springs eternal for you guys. It's been 1995 since you last won the championship. And every season since then, you guys get online, you go to your friends and family's house, y'all get together for the barbecues, and y'all talk about how y'all going to the Super Bowl. Let me give y'all a little piece of advice. Don't. Don't do that no more. Don't. We're not trying to hear that no more. Don't get up on Al Gore's internet talking about we them boys. Y'all not them boys. Y'all not them boys. Y'all not them men. Y'all not boys to men. Y'all not Nathan, Sean, nor Wanye. Don't get up on here telling me we them boys. No, y'all not. Y'all got to y'all got to earn that back. We the way Ti snatched that chain off Nunu and ATL, we need that back. Y'all can't be that no more. Not for now. Not the way y'all went out. Not the way y'all. No siree. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Ease up. Easy. Y'all get to an NFC title game. Y'all can beat them boys again. I no no beating Philly ain't gonna do it. Beating the Niners ain't gonna do it. Beating whatever team, top teams across the league, ain't going to do it. NFC title game, y'all them boys again. Anything less than that, y'all just, y'all just Cowboys. Y'all just, y'all just fans of Dallas. Like, I, if, I, if I could, if I could control the world, the sports world, because I'm going to control the whole world, although it'd be nice if I could. I got a couple of ideas. But if I could control the sports world, I would tell producers, we're not talking about Dallas no more. We 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 not tuning in. Like we just we can't do that, y'all. We can't. It w- anyway. I'm because I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm getting on ESPN and I'm doing. Let me turn my attention to the Packers and Jordan Love. This is a really good team, and this is such a weird season where I could totally see something crazy like Texans Packers in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. But you have a team that is hot. And the thing about Jordan Love is if you watch him throw the ball, he looks like an Aaron Rodgers clone. He's off his back foot. He's fading away. He's throwing from different arm slots. And their pinpoint, go back and watch the touchdown to Dontavian Wicks. Pass rusher in his lap, fading back, dot. Dot. Like, the kid is playing out of, and get all credit. I mean, 
credit to the coaching staff, credit to the team for executing. That was a butt whooping. I just, I, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. And all credit goes to those boys because people, when, when the Packers had their slow start, people are looking at Jordan Love and the Packers like they were crazy. Y'all traded up to go get this kid. Y'all kicked the Hall of Famer out the door who wanted to be gone anyway, in my opinion, out the door to make it happen. And this looks like this is a failure. And while I'm not sure that Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback, because that is something you have to earn over time. We spend too much time anointing people way too early. So while I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback, he's a starter in this league for sure. He's someone that you can trust that can win you a game, right? And so that's that's my take on that game. And I cannot believe to my uncles, to my to my uh, my father, to the homie Los, every all the Cowboy fans in my life. I'm truly sorry because I just didn't think that was gonna happen to y'all. Y'all made history. No seven seed has ever beaten the two seed since they've expanded the playoff. Um, the Packers have won more playoff games in Arlington than the Cowboys had. That's from that's from Sydney. Um, most of the seven seed game versus two seed games have not even been competitive. I think that might have been the first one to be competitive. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And I just, I don't know. But speaking of quarterbacks that you shouldn't tr- put your trust in, and that you should be your trusted. Let's talk about Houston and Cleveland real quick. Y'all let me know what y'all think about that Cowboy Packers game, man. Um, Houston beats, uh, talk about beat them down. This weekend was full of kind of beat them downs in various different ways. Houston beats down Cleveland. Um, I can't remember the final score. I think it was like 48-24, I believe, is the final score of that game. It was a game until about halftime. After halftime, it was all Texas in the second half. And I don't know if I've shared this before, right? So I've shared my theory on the on the on the backup quarterback theory. So I don't know if I said this part of the theory though, or or or, or let me let me say this: the part of the theory that you should pay attention to for the backup quarterback theory that I have is that you want your backup to at worst have to play three or four games for you. Anything beyond that, you kind of putting your life in your hands because they're backup for a reason. They're not meant to be starters. And I get it. Our country has an obsession with winning. They have an obsession with redemption stories. So you watch the, the Browns. They finish second in the division. Um, they are, I think, 11 and 5, 10 and 5, 11 and 5. Um, Joe Flacco takes them, basically stamps their playoff entry by winning five games in a row. And because you watch highlight shows and because you watch these shows, these debate shows where the winner gets to write history, right? The losers don't get to tell the tale. They don't get, and honestly, we should probably pay attention to some more losers because sometimes the losers can tell you more truth than winners do. But that's another story for another day. But the winners get to write history. And so if you watch these highlight shows and you watch the debate shows and they're gushing over Flacco and he's making great throws into tight windows and how he's in sync with the offense. And these are all true things. Like, I'm not denying that there's truth to what's being said. But during the game, one of my homies said, yo, Joe Flacco's been balling. And I said, hmm, define balling for me, please. Can you, can you, use, that in, can you use that in another sentence? Because I, I understand that he's played well, but balling? Uh, balling? 
I said, hey, listen, let me let me hip you to something. Maybe that that people have. Let me tell you the truth. <laughs> Joe Flacco's played well. He's also thrown eight interceptions in five games. And I said that to him. He goes, oh, wow. And this was maybe like five minutes before the first pick six. <laughs> Backup quarterbacks have a shelf life. I wish War was here because we had this conversation about expiration dates, a tweet he posted. I'll, I'll say that for another day. But backup quarterbacks are like, uh, let's let's say loaves of bread, right? You have a you have a best if used by on your loaf of bread, and in a certain and in a, in a, and in so many words, you can still take the risk on eating bread that is past its expiration date. Nothing's really going to happen. But one day you might go to go into that loaf of bread and you see that mold on that piece of bread. Now. There are some people who have um, lived, shall we say, hardcore lives who might say, oh, we're just going to cut that off and eat around it. Which to you, I say, get it how you live. If that's all you got, that's the best you can do. This is why we pray over our food and bless the people. All right. But for most people who are not in those hard scrabble situations, when uh, you see the mold on the bread, it's time to throw it away. And Joe Flacco pulled up to the playoff game with mold everywhere. It wasn't, it wasn't no cut around it situation. It was, we got to go get a new loaf of bread. Cause he stunk the joint up after like this, what halftime it was over on the other end of the spectrum. We got CJ Stroud and I got a homie. I who shall remain nameless when they've played in week 18 against the Colts and winter go home. And he's like, well, you know, He's still a rookie. We got to see how he how he's going to handle the pressure pack situation. And I said, bro, I said, uh, CJ Stroud played in a college football playoff semifinal against a bunch of future NFLers. And had Marvin Harrison Jr. not gotten hurt and had his coach not been super conservative, he likely would have won a national championship. I said, he, the moment is not going to be too big for CJ Stroud. And again, here's where these little inconvenient truths pop up that people overlook when we discuss winning and losing. Joe Flacco had a great game against the Houston Texans, but C.J. Stroud didn't play. He was hurt. He was in concussion protocol. C.J. Stroud went out in his playoff debut, big stage, standalone game against the number one defense in the NFL, if you didn't know. The Browns' defense had been balling. They Now, you want to talk about balling. Their defense had been balling, and he carved them up. Now, granted, he was aided by two pick sixes, right? So that's 14 points, right? So, I mean, we're talking instead of uh, 48 points, we're now talking 34 that he engineered for his team, still enough to win the game by 10, but he balled. He had guys butt naked wide open based on play design. So shout out to uh, Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator. And I got to tell you, man, like I'm super excited for D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans, former 49ers coordinator. And I put out a tweet last year that said, look, I don't know if if, if D'Amico Ryans is going to be a good coach. I know he's an incredible defensive coordinator and I'm going to be sad to see him go. And I am and I was. And he has proven to be a really good coach because I don't, I get it. CJ Stroud is great has played great this year, but you still have to have a leader. And D'Amico Ryans has done a, an incredible job, a bang-up job, and salute to him. 
I'm super happy for that guy, man. And I hope he can keep it going, except against Kansas City and except against the 49ers. But I hope he can keep it going. Super hype, hype for that dude, man. And I'm happy for his success. Same. Sydney says, I was sad to see, see him leave the Niners. Sad, man. And shout out to Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes has done a bang-up job. And he deserves a coaching job. And hopefully he gets one and gets a second opportunity to redeem himself since we love redemption stories so much. All right, so let's jump into this next game, man. Let's get let's get into Kansas City. Let's get into the home team real quick, or at least home team for the city I live in. They played the Dolphins this weekend, beat them twenty six to seven, um, and it, obviously it was it was much talked about about how cold it was in Arrowhead on Saturday night. Leah Windshield got below twenty five below. Let me tell y'all something, man. Like. We have not experienced this type of cold before. I've been here for 30 years. Been a lot of cold days in Kansas City. Lord, if you're listening, please take away this Minnesota cold. Because that's what that's what's been coming down to Kansas City. This is Minnesota cold. I can't, I dumb cold. Nose hairs freezing instantly when you step outside cold. And if you're from the South and you're from Miami and you come to this weather, I get it. I had a, I had a guy tell me, I don't, I don't want to hear about how the cold affected the game. Well, I'm sorry. You don't have to close your ears then because the cold affected the game. People who are used to living here can deal with that. I saw a, a video of Miami entering the team hotel and had Dolphin fans out here cheering. Woohoo! Come on, guys. Beat the Chiefs. I believe in you. Homie told him, go home. It's cold. I saw that. I said, oh, they done. They, they, they cooked. They cooked. He told homie outside cheering him to go home. It's cold out here. You know why he told him to go home? Because he wanted to go home. Because it didn't make no sense how cold it was. And when you see them guys running, Pacheco running into these uh, defenders, and he's running through them and running over them, and they're not giving much resistance. The play of the game for me. Mahomes is running down the sideline and you had two Dolphins. They lived. We we have a game as kids we play called kill the quarterback. Duke Riley and Eli Apple had a chance to kill the quarterback. And what they do? Oh, well, excuse, excuse Mr. Mahomes. I'm sorry. Right this way. Yeah, that way, that direction. That's where the end zone is. Let him walk right on by. <laughs> Walked right on by. And I said, oh, them boys ready to go home. Now, I do have to give the Dolphins defense credit. They held the the uh, Chiefs to, I believe, three field – oh, was it five field goals, I believe. I lost count. He's either four or five. So, Chiefs scored two touchdowns. It was four field goals, four field goals. Two touchdowns for the Chiefs and four field goals. So, they did a good job of stop stopping them in the red zone. So, I give them credit for that. But uh, that was a beat them down. Beat them down, and the cold had an effect on that, right? And so that leads me to talk about the, this weekend's divisional matchups. I'm going to start in the NFC. Lions and Buccaneers. I expect the Lions to let, shout out. Let's let, first let me shout out Detroit. Let's talk real quick about Rams Lions. I honestly believe in the second half the Rams outplayed the the Lions in every phase except for one. They could not get into the end zone when they got into the red zone. 0 for 3, Detroit's 3 for 3, that's your game, right? But, I, I mean, Matt Stafford, to me, I played Jared Goff. 
to me, they in the second half, they outplayed the Lions. The Lions just made a few more plays uh, when it mattered to win. And I expect the Buccaneers playing with house money to make this competitive for a half, maybe even into the third quarter. But I think Dan Campbell and the Lions will win this game and they will go to the NFC title game. That leads me to now prognosticate my favorite team, the 49ers taking on the Packers. Let me tell you, as a pessimist, I am terrified. I am scared out of my mind because this offense, like Aaron Rodgers left Green Bay and went to New York, and he's got Garrett Wilson. He's got one receiver, a decent receiver. Garrett Wilson is a fantastic receiver. Alan, quick tangent, quick side tangent. Y'all can call Aaron Rodgers a lot of things. Crazy, conspiracy theorist, wacko, nut job, uh, stupid, foolish. I'm not calling him those things. I'm saying y'all can call him a lot of things. You know what I call Aaron Rodgers? A solid homie. You know why I call him a solid homie? Because he got his people paid. He went and got Tim Boyle, probably the worst, one of, if not the worst, one of the worst quarterbacks to ever play in an NFL game, a job. He got Nathaniel Hackett, who was one of the worst coaches will probably ever know a job. He went and got Alan Lazard bread. Alan Lazard was get racking up DNP CDs like the last half of the season. If you do not know what DNP CD stands for, it means did not participate or play coach's decision. He got him a job and got him some bread. Randall Cobb is at the end of his career. And if if Aaron Rodgers didn't say, I need my homie with me up in New York, he probably would have been sitting at home this year. Him a job. So does Aaron need to um, maybe ease Ixnay on the Epstein A? Probably. Does he need to stop talking about COVID-19 and who's vaxxed and who's double vaxxed and not vaxxed and immunization and all this other stuff? Probably. But you know what? If you are Alan Lazard, Tim Boyle, Nathaniel Hackett, or Randall Cobb, that's the homie. And you can't say nothing bad about him around me. He's a job creator out here. He's stimulating the economy. Got them boys jobs. What are you talking, man? Shout out, Aaron. Do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, back to the Packers. As I was saying, Aaron Rodgers left the Packers in part, I'm assuming, because he was ready to go, but also because he probably felt like, y'all got rid of my boy. Y'all let my boy Devontae walk. Y'all got these wide receivers out here. I don't know who none of them are. Right, they don't want to. They just want to listen to to NBA Young Boy and, and Lil Durk. And I want to talk about you know who really crashed into nine eleven. Like I can't have conversations with these guys. Like who really crashed the plane into the buildings? Was it? A, did we really land on the moon? They don't want to hear none of that. I'm out of here. And little did he know, the Packers were building a coalition of wide receivers that's going that's going to terrorize this league in, over the next couple of years. Dontavian Wicks, Jay Reed, if uh, Christian Watson's hamstrings could ever hold themselves together, he's going to be a problem. Bo Melton is decent. I'm trying to think I'm missing. There's a wide receiver I'm missing. But really good wide receiver core, and they're all first and second year guys. The Niners 
have a weakness on the back half of their defense in that Traverius Ward. Shout out to AP Ward, all pro Ward, second team, I believe. Really good, great cornerback. Them other guys, they could be marks. So this game could be a lot more competitive than I want it to be because Jordan Love is really good and that wide receiver core is really good and their defense is up to the task. However, I believe that the Niners will win. And that is not something you really hear me say a lot publicly. They should win. Coming off a short week, um, got a lot of guys healthy, although it was concerning to me to see that Dre Greenlaw missed practice with the groin, which I believe he suffered that injury, I think, in the Washington game. Um, but if the front four can do their duty and do their job and they can get pressure without having to send lots of blitzes, which has been an issue at times for the Niners of having to send extra rusher blitzers because the front four is not getting home and the Packers have a decent offensive line. But I believe that the defense is going to make do just enough plays and that Brock Purdy is going to do enough to win the game. And let me say this last thing about Brock Purdy before we move on to the AFC. If by chance the Packers do beat the 49ers, Cam Newton is going to pull up on his podcast. He's going to do nothing but sit there with a cigar, smoke, and laugh. Because he said Dak, Tua, and Brock Purdy were not game managers, or were game managers and not game changers. And two of those guys have lost. Now, I don't think there was anything Dak could have done to help the Cowboys win that game. I think they still would have lost in part because it would have required a generational performance for him because the defense was that bad uh, on Sunday. So I don't think there was anything he could have done. I do think Tua played really poorly. And I need Brock to, at least for one week, keep Cam from taking a huge victory lap. That's all I'm asking. But I got the Niners winning that game. All right, real quick, jumping to the AFC side. Listen, man. Oof. Lamar Jackson's got something to prove. He's going to be a two-time MVP. Um, there's a discussion another day, that, another time that I have about analytics and how they're ruining sports and how they're ruining sports discussion. Because analytics would tell you that Lamar Jackson likely should not be the MVP because his his count his normal counting stats and advanced counting stats. There, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy are right there in terms of having just as good or if not better advanced numbers than Lamar. But he's got something to prove because as a number one seed, I believe he lost in the first round in 2019. Um, he lost in the division round. I think he is one and three in the playoff, or at least one and two. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. He's one and three in the playoffs. So he's got something to prove because being a two-time MVP with one playoff win, it gets people talking, right? It gets people talking. And so for him to be a game changer, as as Cam would call him, it'll be a bad look for him. Now, he it's not on, on him alone. Obviously, we know that. But they got to make something happen. And C.J. Stroud is the rookie of the year. Um, he has probably already cemented himself as a top 10 QB in this league in his rookie year. 
And so that is something um, that I think Baltimore should be concerned about. Now, I say this. I said, I told one of my homies this about Baltimore's defense. I said, to me, Baltimore's defense and the Niners' defense are similar in this fashion. They are incredibly fast. And when they hit you, they hit you with bad intentions, right? And in part because their linebackers are really, really, really good. To me, this is the problem with the Cowboys. They are light on the back end and their secondary, and especially at linebacker, and you can run at them, by them, and over them, all right? But I think that the Baltimore Ravens will beat the, the, the Texans. To me, this is going to be the game of the weekend. And I got them winning by at least seven. At least seven. Now, final game, Chiefs and Bills. I said Josh Allen is uh, – JC was good. I said Josh Allen is like Thanos when he's on. He is a world beater. He is nearly unstoppable when he's on. However, Josh Allen can also be Peter Coyle. Now, if you you Marvel people, or if you're not comic book people, these names I'm throwing you are going over your head. Peter Quill is a lovable hero, but he's also a screw up. Zach, we 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 bought the we bought the hey hey Zach, do you want to jump on real quick? I'm about, this is my final. I give you like five minutes if you want to hop on here real quick. But he's like Peter Quill, as I was saying. He is the lovable screw-up that just can't get out of his own way at times. Now, in this game against the Steelers, I don't think, I don't think he, he had no turnovers, right? He played really well. And now Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have to have their first road game in, his, in the Mahomes era. Mm, mm, mm. Before the season, I told my homies, I said, listen, I said, this is the year that Arrowhead Invitational stuff ends. I said, I, I, I was wrong about this because I'm, I'm not above admitting when I'm wrong. I said they would not win the division. They did win the division. I said they would win the wild card game, but they would lose in the playoffs. In the division around. And now here we are with the Chiefs going to Buffalo to play. They met in the regular season. I believe Buffalo jumped out to a 14-0 lead. From that point on, the Chiefs outscored them 17-6. Those final three points being the field goal that uh, won the game. We know what happened with the lining up offside and all that good stuff. So here's the thing. I also said that if the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs, that they were going to the Super Bowl, in part because they have Thanos on their side. So now that puts me in the quandary. Do I ride with my, my, my prognostication in the middle of the season that the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs, they were going to the Super Bowl? Or do I go with the Chiefs, who I said would lose in the division round? If there's anything you know about me, I don't back down. I stick to my guns. Bills will finally slay the monster in the Kansas City Chiefs that has stopped them from advancing. I I actually went and watched on my lunch break the end of that incredible divisional football playoff game, probably the 
greatest football game I've ever seen in my life of the Chiefs and the Bills, where Patrick Mahomes gets into field goal range in 13 sec- seconds, kicks the field goal to send it to overtime, and then wins on the opening possession of the overtime to go to the NFC ch- AFC Championship game for the fourth year in a row. The streak ends here, guys. All things must come to an end. Although we come to the end of... It's coming to an end, guys. I, I, I'm, you can start a new... The end of something always means the beginning of something new. And the Chiefs can start a new record of going to AFC title games year after year after year. But this is where the story ends. I think the, the Bills, even though, I'll say this, they're beat up on defense... I don't know if Rasheed Rice is a number one receiver, but I'll say this. I think he has the potential to be a really good 1B, number two. I get it, Zach. The Chiefs have a top five defense. I just don't trust the offense, which is not something I ever thought I would say in the Mahomes era. They seem to get in their way just enough to make things a little harder than it has to be. And so I got the Bills, and another nail-biter winning 24-21. This is the only game I'm giving you a a, a score prediction to. 24-21, Bills win because Thanos is going to win. I'm going to call him Superman. I I don't don't know what what other analogy. I should have picked some Marvel analogy that fits. But Last thing I'll say, and I'm about to get out of here because Zach is going to, if I, if I continue talking, Zach is going to continue to throw out reasons why the Chiefs should win until, until I'm blue in the face. He says, Josh Allen is a turnover waiting to happen. The thing is, though, the, I felt like the Chiefs offense was a little bit more locked in than I've seen them since, like, the midpoint of the season, whenever they played the Chargers. Josh Allen seems to also lock in in the postseason in ways that he does not in the regular season. I think he played really well against the Steelers. Um, and so, you know, again, we'll see what happens. But I got the Bills. I'm going to ride with it. I said they're going to the Super Bowl if they made the playoffs. I'm not going to back off of that. Should the Chiefs win? Eh, if I had to put it on the, on the scale of, like, percentage, I give the Chiefs a 47% chance. So, I mean, it's, it's a debatable. It's a toss-up. They they got Mahomes, so they'll always be in contention. But <laughs> that's my time, man. Last comment, Zach. I'll let you get the last word. Sneeze will take digs home to glory. We'll see. We'll see. That's my time, man. That's been our show. Remember, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for It's a Black and White Thing. Um, our brains and bars. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars. Share listen as many times as possible listen to it in your sleep listen to it while you drive send it to homies that you don't like send it to people that you do like you can check us out on youtube uh, by going to searching brains and bars on youtube rate review subscribe hit the notification bell so when we go live you'll know probably gonna post this whole episode up tomorrow you can always go into my live video feed and check it out again if you like um and then uh, social media at Brains and Bars, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Till next time, it's been the Black and White Thing. Y'all be easy. Have a good night. And I'll let y'all next week. Appreciate that, Zach. He said he loves this show. Good night, y'all.